It's fun for the whole family. Win Bruce, Saz, or Stabby Babs figures by entering our Gotham Sweetheart Contest. Three chances to win. Follow us at twitch.tv slash universebox, support us at patreon.com slash universebox, or leave a review for any of our podcasts on iTunes. We'll pick the winners on February 14th. Gotham action figures from Diamond Select Toys, available online and at toy stores nationwide. Bring Bring Gotham Gotham to life! Terry Hatcher joins Season 2. Rachel Bloom writes Super Friends. And we discuss We Can Be Heroes. This is Supergirl Radio. Welcome to Supergirl Radio, your source for all things related to the CW Supergirl TV series and the character of Kara Zor-El. My name is Rebecca Johnson. I'm Carly Lane. I'm Morgan Glennon. And for this episode of the podcast, we are going to discuss the season two episode of the show titled We Can Be Heroes. But first, let's get to the news. Terry Hatcher has been cast and will be joining season two of Supergirl for a multi-episode arc. Details on her character are scarce, but she'll eventually become this season's big villain. I am so excited about yes! this! <laughs> um, I, I, it was funny because uh, I think Andy B. from the Flash podcast, he sent me a link, and I was like doing something else, and I kind of clicked on it, like not knowing what it was, and I opened it up, and I was like, What? <laughs> Um, this is so exciting. I, you know, Amy Adams is probably the best Lois Lane, in my opinion, for me, my, in my, my personal opinion, but Terry Hatcher's Lois Lane is like my gold standard. She is, she is the Lois Lane that I kind of judge all Lois Lanes by. So I, um, I love her, uh, as Lois Lane. Lois and Clark is one of my favorite TV shows and she's a good actress. I've seen her in several other things. She's in one of my all time favorite movies, Soap Dish. If you've never seen it, you should watch it. It's awesome. Um, so I am so excited about the fact that she's coming onto the show and we'll get to see her. And I was really curious because I have some speculations, um, about, you know, what she might be doing on the show, but I kind of wanted to hear your thoughts about it. Uh, Carly, what, what, what are your thoughts on this news and what it might mean for Supergirl Season 2? Well, there's a lot of speculation. Sorry, I had to cough. There's a lot of speculation uh, going around that she could be... They're saying that she is the bad guy, which I was, I was thinking to myself, does that mean that she's related to Cadmus because they've kind of gone quiet? And also, does that mean we're going to get an on-screen Dean Kane Terry Hatcher reunion? Because as we know, Jeremiah is still with Cadmus. And I was like, please let this happen. <laughs> I want it so much. That would Thank be that. the dream. Yeah, that's my prediction is we're going to get a little, a little nod. 
I think it's possible. I think who would pass that up? I can't imagine they would pass that up. Uh, Morgan, what are your thoughts on this news? I'm so excited. Ah, uh, <laughs> like you. <laughs> uh, I think Terry Hatcher's Lois Lane is probably one of my favorites, if not my favorite Lois Lane. So her being on the show is going to be really exciting. And I love that she's a villain, too. I think that the that's like a part that she could really like sink her teeth into. And I think she'll be very, like very fun, very campy. Oh yeah. And I think this is going to be awesome for, especially like Superman fans to see the, to see Terry Hatcher kind of flip the script a little bit and stretch her acting chops, if you will, stretch her muscles a little bit uh, to actually play something that we wouldn't expect from her. And uh, Carly, I was thinking about the whole Cadmus thing because we, of course, on Supergirl Radio, love the Doctor. We love Lillian Luther, um, and so I was starting to think about the fact that I thought that Lillian was going to be like the big bad of season two. But if Terry Hatcher is going to be this big bad, and if she is connected to Project Cadmus, could we forget Dean Kane? Could we see <laughs> a potential scene of Terry Hatcher's big bad villain interact with Lillian Luther? Because I would flip. Out. I would totally flip out. And I, when I was thinking about that, I remembered that Terry Hatcher and Brenda Strong were on Desperate Housewives together. So not yep. only is there a Lois right. and Clark connection, there's a Desperate Housewives connection. So um, I can't imagine they would pass that up either. So I think it is, I, in my opinion, my speculation is very much along the Project Cadmus lines her somehow being connected to Lillian Luther. And I think if we get to see Jeremiah Danvers kind of in his cell, you know, taken over by Cadmus and not letting him leave, I think we're going to find out that Terry Hatcher's villain is the one who's keeping him there. Like, I, that's that's what I think is going to happen. That's what I would do. So I don't want to have any expectations, even though I've, like, had this long speculation that I just spilled out. I think that that's a strong possibility. But... Either way, I'm very excited about this. Um, I think it's going to be ex so exciting to see her. Um, and I guess, she, I don't know when she's going to pop up. I guess we'll, we'll have to um, stay tuned for that. But uh, I'm very excited to see where that goes. It sounds like she's going to be in a lot of the, uh, or maybe a lot of the back half of the season if she's like the big bad. Yeah, I imagine she's going to take us through this this next part of season two and I imagine that if they've announced this now that maybe she's gonna start shooting or or something along those lines so I I'm I'm not gonna look at uh you know things on the internet because they could check out them paparazzi yeah uh, just <laughs> be forewarned things might pop up but I imagine that if they've made this announcement that things are things are are churning out things are happening so, uh, but yeah, so exciting, so exciting. Supergirl is among the nominees for the 28th Annual GLAAD Media Awards in the category for Outstanding Drama Series. Uh, the awards, which honor media for their fair, accurate, and inclusive representations of the lesbian, gay, bisexual, and transgender community, will be handed out on April 1st in Los Angeles and May 6th in New York. So congratulations to Supergirl for getting nominated for that. Crazy Ex-Girlfriend star Rachel Bloom has co-written a song called Super Friends for the CW's upcoming musical crossover between The Flash and Supergirl. Super Friends will be performed by Grant Gustin and Melissa Benoist in duet. 
the Flash portion of the two-episode crossover airing March 21st. And even though I'm not a crazy ex-girlfriend viewer, I know the two of you are big fans of that show. So what does everybody think about this news? Uh, Carly, what are your thoughts? I'm so excited. (laughs) (laughs) I I saw the news uh, break first with the Rachel Bloom uh, thing. And apparently she actually reached out to Andrew Kreisberg and Greg Berlanti and said, you guys are doing a musical episode. I have a musical show. Like, I want to write for you. I was like, I love that she's a fan and like reached out to offer her services. It makes me so happy. Um, Cause I love crazy ex-girlfriend. If you're not watching it, Rebecca, you should be. Uh, I might get on that. <laughs> it's so fun and it's so good. And, um, and just really like hilarious. I mean, like, and, and the songs are really super catchy, which is, is funny because I'm thinking that this episode is going to, this musical crossover, I'm going to have a lot of the songs get stuck in my head because they're earworms. You can't, uh, once they're, once they're stuck in your head, you can't get them out. So I'm very excited about this. Morgan, do you have any thoughts about Rachel Bloom's, uh, involvement in the crossover? I'm just so excited. I love Crazy Ex-Girlfriend, one of my favorite shows that's on right now, period. Um, and the the songs in that show are always so funny, but, like, so accurate to, like, whatever genre they're sending up. Yeah. So I'm excited to see what she decides to do for, like, a, a Supergirl, The Flash crossover um, super Friends song. I think it's going to be really funny and really, uh, re- like like Carly said, really catchy. When we were just talking about um, Crazy Ex-Girlfriend, I, I like randomly got uh, the Sexy Getting Ready song <laughs> from, from one of the first season episodes, like stuck in my head. And I just know it's going to be there for like the rest of the night. It's so, everything's so catchy. That's the problem. I had that I had the Santa Ana Wind song from one oh of the newest God. episodes. It's stuck in my head for like a week straight. <laughs> yes, that one was stuck in my head for so many days. Yeah, I mean, that's the thing. And I we were talking a little bit about this off, off podcast. But that's the thing that's nice about that show is they do not just songs, but they're like genre parodies. So you'll get songs that are like Beyonce and like 50s and like, I don't know old Hollywood dance stuff and it's all it's all really good uh in addition to Rachel Bloom Ben Benj Pasek and Justin Paul have also written an original song for the Flash Supergirl musical episode that Grant Gustin will sing called Runnin and uh if you don't know those names they are the songwriters for La La Land among other among other films. Yeah, this seems like it's high-quality talent writing these songs, and uh, I think that's a very appropriate song title for The Flash, and uh, it's very exciting that Grant will get his, it sounds like a Flash solo piece, so I think that's that's going to be really fun. I don't know why, but I just envision him doing it like Zac Efron in High School Musical and just, like, running across a, an open field. <laughs> <laughs> now I'm imagining it like... Aggressively a, like, dancing. Like, <laughs> <laughs> See, in my head, he's he's doing it like the, the like the Windsor, the like the Sound of Music, and he's just twirling. Right? <laughs> he's twirling in the speed forest, like. Yes. Wait, wouldn't that create like a tornado or something? 
Probably. I think Probably. I think that would be really dangerous. But if he's up like, like it would be a Barry Allen move though, like yeah. accidentally. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But then he I think he can just run in reverse and he can calm it down. Like I think he can fix it. So if if he did That's do that, true. I think he can fix it. Um well let's hope it's not as dangerous <laughs> as it sounds. Um but yeah, lots of awesome news that uh came our way this week. Um I originally didn't have any news in in our episode and then all of a sudden it just the 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 gates opened up everything just kind of came all at once so it's awesome well uh now that we're finished with the news let's get into our discussion of the season two episode of supergirl titled we can be heroes and here is the official description after livewire guest star Britt morgan seemingly breaks out of prison supergirl is intent on recapturing her after training Monel, Supergirl takes him with her when she sees Livewire attack the NCPD, but things go awry when Monel puts Supergirl before the citizens of National City. Meanwhile, James decides to come clean with Kara, and McGann has a psychic attack and collapses into a coma. Oh, man. Lots of stuff. Lots of stuff to cover. Um, so the, the main thing I want to get to first in this directorial debut of Rebecca Johnson um, on Supergirl, uh, the the big thing that happened was we got to see Livewire again, and and she's one of my favorite villains, one of my favorite kind of recurring characters on the show. Um, so I was curious about what you guys thought about seeing Livewire again in this kind of different scenario than we've seen her before. Carly, what did you think about Lely, Leslie Willis's return to National City? Yeah, but there was definitely a twist, right? So we think that she escapes, and then the twist is that she's actually kidnapped by another bad guy who, who's using, trying to use her powers to build a, a group of super soldiers with the ability to zap people, <laughs> <laughs> which I thought was really funny and kind of like you think that she's just kind of out creating chaos or that she's acquired minions somehow you know, loyal followers, but nope, they just, they just broke in and stole her. It felt very, to me, for whatever reason, the first scene that we, we see her in where she's talking to the, the like therapist in the prison. I was like, this feels a little bit like they're trying to, it felt very Joker to me for some reason. Mm -hmm. Like, she's like, what do you think? You know, you know, I could kill you right now. And I was like, whoa, this is getting a little <laughs> psycho. <laughs> I feel like she's definitely, her character, since we first saw her, has has kind of descended more into, like, full-on villain status. Because I think before she was a little bit more, like, she had more selfish motivations. And, you know, the first it was about Cat Grant and kind of getting even. And then it was, it seemed like in the Flash crossover episode it was she was more just interested in like creating chaos with silver banshee and now it feels like she's kind of like it's interesting because you see little pieces where she's says things that are kind of questionable but then at the end she didn't kill the guy after all so you're like oh well maybe there is some part of her that's still you know human and and willing to try to be better but i feel like for the most part she's probably still gonna Anytime we see her, she's probably going to be up to no good. So I I love her, though. I feel like she had some of the best one-liners of the whole episode. Like when she told Monel his Superman cosplay sucked. And, <laughs> and, and then uh, she told and then she told Monel and Guardian, she was like, oh, this is what you like. Little boys trying to be hero, you know, when there's an actual 
like girl being a superhero out there. I was like, yes, tell him, Leslie, tell him. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yes, yeah, she she says little boys who think that they can do a better job than the woman who's yes. an actual superhero. Yeah, yeah, it's good. <laughs> Yeah, she had she had some good ones. I I I especially enjoyed. It. There was only one live wire, you piece of crap. Like, I, and right. I, I thought that was fun. Um, Isn't she what, the one line where she says this is intellectual property theft, asshat, or whatever? Yeah, uh, copy, co- <laughs> copy, copyright infringement. Copyright infringement. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, she um she's very complicated because I think even Supergirl at the end has this little glimmer of hope that maybe. Livewire can be saved, so I don't know what we'll see in the future for for Livewire. She was very adamant in the episode to call her Livewire, so I'm going to try to respect her wishes and not call her Leslie, uh, because she she said over and over again, "My name is Livewire." So uh, I don't know. I don't know what we'll see from her in the future, but uh, it was fun to see her as a villain in this one. Um, Morgan, what did you think about the return of Livewire? I thought it was so fun. She's such a fun villain, and I also I was so happy that. For the episode directed by Rebecca Johnson. Yeah. <laughs> Livewire was the villain. I was like, that's perfect. It's like they consulted you first. <laughs> it's so appropriate. And she made her so, like, she was villainous. And for me, this Rebecca Johnson really loves a villain who villains, who is bad, who enjoys being bad and doing bad things. Because I think we're in this trend where these antiheroes or these villains who get kind of uh redeemed like that becomes this trend or this pattern that i've seen lately and i'm like no just let villains be bad guys so thank you rebecca johnson for uh giving <laughs> livewire the chance to be bad and get to indulge in that so yeah i think i think it was very appropriate uh, very appropriate and i like that she's bad but there's also like almost a com like a camaraderie between her and supergirl at the end of the episode like they don't like each other but they kind of like grudgingly respect each other and i i, I don't know i really like that like she's not good clearly but she's also not like 100% like mustache twirling bad like there are some levels to her which i really appreciate it yeah and i think part of that would probably stem from their connection to Cat Grant. Like they were both mentored by Cat Grant and Supergirl probably also feels a little guilty for being part of the reason, unintentionally, but part of the reason that Leslie Willis turned into Livewire. So I think that there is something that I think Kara wants to do right by her because of their connections to each other. Um, and I really enjoyed Livewire, especially when... Because I, you know, on the podcast, I've said many times that I've had issues with Guardian. And I know that some of us here on this podcast have issues with Monel. So all around, we have some issues. Um, so I really enjoyed the bit where Livewire has been kidnapped and Guardian comes in to try to rescue her. Monel comes in to get uh, to rescue her. And she's just so put out with them. She's, she's just like, why is it like she actually would prefer that Supergirl had come in to save her. So I thought that that was um, very telling uh, for her that she she actually, um, she is Supergirl's nemesis, but she would if she's got to get saved by somebody, she would rather it be Supergirl, which I thought was really, uh, which was really, uh, I don't want to say ironic. I don't know. Um, Alanis Morissette is- It is kind is, of, a is, little is, bit, is, is right? That the, is that the proper use of ironic? Because 
Alanis Morissette, you've screwed me over. I don't, I don't know what ironic means anymore. Um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, so that that was really fun, just on a, a character perspective. The only thing that I thought was really weird about this episode, and I think they've been doing this, they've been playing a little bit with this theme in season two, where um, Livewire claims that power has made her a god. And they've mentioned that before, I think, with Project Cadmus talking about how the superheroes are these godlike figures and all of that. And for me, I think that's a little, like, the way they're using that is a little clunky. Um, like, if you were to ask me about Batman v Superman Dawn of Justice, which you should, because I love the movie, um, they played up that whole, like, God thing very, very well. But on Supergirl, it's been kind of like, I guess maybe you could say that they have power, so they're kind of godlike, but it doesn't really, like, there's no real thematic thing happening there. So I don't know why they keep mentioning it. It's very strange to me. Um, but that was the only thing that I was like, that's weird. Um, but Livewire was tons of fun. And Britt Morgan, I just, I love her in the part. I think she does such a great job. She totally gets kind of the punk rock you know, mad at the world kind of aspect to the Livewire character. So um, I thought that was great. And I also liked that Maggie Sawyer had mentioned that she was a fan of Live and Wired um, <laughs> before it it uh, got its can- un- unfortunate cancellation <laughs> when she was talking about uh, crap about Supergirl. So I thought that was an insight into Maggie's listening habits. So that was interesting. My one, like, Livewire nitpick, and this is such a minor, minor thing, I feel like the show is has been experimenting with her look as a character. And I was going back and just looking at her past appearances. And I don't know if part of it is they're trying to make it more like she's descending fully into her powers or something. Because if you look at like the very first episode that she was in, she kind of has a more natural skin tone, but then her hair is like silver. And then the episode with with the flash in it, she's got like white straight hair and more pale skin and then this time it's like her hair was like crazy (laughs) it's like maybe they're trying to show that like her physical appearance changes the longer that she has these powers i just thought it was interesting but i was like i missed like the very first look that she had because i liked that one the best that was my favorite (laughs) you know i now that you mention it that there is a difference in that and she does and maybe it's partially to show like she's losing some of her humanity like there's There's part of her that's gone, and I, I would try to justify it like, oh, well, she when she uses her electrical abilities, maybe that sort of makes her skin whiter and her hair crazier, like she's being electrocuted. But she didn't, she didn't really use them at the beginning because she was uh, covered in water when she was sitting there with that doctor. So I don't know. Yeah, I, I don't know. I was something I was noticing. I was like, I feel like every time we've seen her she's she's looked a little bit different each time yeah that's just my one that was just my one little thing but it's not it's not of of any importance (laughs) it doesn't make or break the character it's definitely it's definitely a choice that they're making with her look Um, but i guess i guess we're just supposed to take away that she's she's uh further descended into madness and so it's making her look a little crazier and uh not as human anymore so that's a good point 
Um, well, and uh, there was a lot of Supergirl interacting and Kara interacting with Monel in this episode. She's trying to train him uh, through some superhero training, some superhero kindergarten is what they called it. Um, so, Carly, <laughs> I hate to ask you, uh, but uh, <laughs> what did you what did you think about the Supergirl and Kara? Monel moments in this episode and specifically him going out kind of on his first venture into being a superhero I feel like I was on the side of Livewire and James <laughs> like every time every time I heard about Monel trying to be a hero I was like really that guy um I think at one point James in the scene with Wynn he's like really that frat boy is gonna get a get an outfit (laughs) um he actually does he calls him a frat boy um and i don't know i i i think this episode we see like he his motivation isn't completely selfless um i mean he he wants to protect car and he tells her that towards the end or not even towards the end it's before i think when she kind of calls him out and he says, like, I was trying to protect you. And she's like, I don't need that. I need a partner. Like, I need someone who's got my back. But I don't need you to, you know, I need you to get, save the people when I'm distracted, like, battling the bad guys. So it's in, it's interesting to me because the one, the, the other issue that I have is how much, how much story time they're giving Monel right now. Especially with, I think that's the problem with having this many characters in the cast is like you have to it's difficult to give equal weight to a lot of the stories and I think I saw a lot of people online last night like complaining that like they're like we haven't seen Lena Luther in like three episodes why are we dealing why has it been so Monel heavy and I don't I I don't think that's a wrong complaint to have I feel like it, but my my theory is the reason that they're giving him so much story time right now is he could be on the way out soon and they're trying to like give get him as much stuff as they can before something like the Daxum plot catches up and he has to go back or something like that. That's my that was I was thinking about that today because I was thinking, why are they spending so much time on Manel? And kind of neglecting some of the other like recurring characters. And I was like, I wonder if it's because they're trying to wrap up his plot. So that's my, that's my theory, but it could be wrong. I don't know. It's, it's hard. I, I don't blame like Lena fans for feeling neglected. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I'm also glad that they finally kind of came out and had him say that he actually remembered kissing her. Uh, and I feel like Kara had a really interesting reaction to it that I don't know how to take, but it, to me seemed like she kind of just got very overwhelmed by it and didn't know how to react Yeah, <laughs> and was like, uh, high five. Awkward. It was the most <laughs> awkward. Was so awkward and painful. Uh, I almost felt bad for him in that moment. Almost. <laughs> almost. So, <laughs> so close. So close. So close. Yeah. I mean, he has good intentions. So the problem is, you know, cars, cars got her rule, which is like protect the people first. And, he can't do that because he's putting Kara first, which is not a good idea, as we see. Yeah, I think you make a good point that Monel is getting a lot of screen time right now because I think season two, I think, is going to be the Monel season, and then I don't think we'll see him after season two, or at least for a while. He may come back, but I, I think we'll see him kind of 
leave the show and see that's my speculation anyway so um and i think you made another good point about how there's so many characters on the show and i i was thinking about not necessarily Monel, but with guardian i was trying to work out why i didn't like guardian in this episode and i think it's because we're seeing two of the same kind of story with these two mm-hmm. guys Monel and guardian are both trying to learn how to be superheroes and operate a national city and how they're going to interact with Supergirl and how she does her saving the world thing. And so to me, it's really tough to get invested. I'm a little more invested in the Monel thing just because we've seen more of him and we know more of his story, but it's like almost the exact same storyline for both of those guys. So I, I, I don't know how I feel about that, but um, I think you make a good point. Um, Morgan, what are your thoughts on Monel's trying to be a hero and his interactions with Kara in this episode? Yeah, I think that's a really good point, actually, that that it's, it is kind of the same story um, that you're we're just seeing over and over again. And if if anything, this episode kind of like hammered that point home, mm-hmm. like when they both come to save um, Livewire at the end and she's like, what are you guys like the B team? <laughs> and uh, <laughs> like uh, James getting uh, getting jealous of Monel because he gets to go on superhero trainings with Kara and Kara is like kind of supportive of him being a superhero, but not James being a superhero. And I was like, why is everyone a superhero? My God, there's so many characters on this show. And I thought the same thing last night um, watching the episode when we got that bit with, um, which we'll talk about later with uh, with John and McGann. And I realized I had forgotten McGann was on the show. Oh, no. I straight up forgotten like where she had been, what she'd been doing. Not much, apparently. She'd been in jail. So, <laughs> so I can be a little bit excused. But, I mean, there... I feel like they went from last season, they had a good, like maybe a good amount of characters, maybe too few. I don't know. But this season, I feel like they just went like, what if we just added everyone right now, all at once right now? And it gets a little overwhelming. There's so many storylines that you have to track. There's all the stuff going on with, uh, with John and McGann and the white Martians. There's this like Monel stuff and he's everywhere. Um, and there's the Alex and the Maggie. There's the Guardian stuff. It's there's a lot of stuff going on at once. And uh, and I I've seen a lot of people mention that they think that Supergirl is kind of getting lost on her own show, which I don't know that I 100% agree with. But I can understand that criticism like a lot. There's so many storylines, and she's in them all, but it feels like none of them really revolve around her. Like when's the last time we saw Snapper Car? I know was Snapper it, was it last episode. Last week, yeah, yeah it was last, last time. But I feel like he doesn't get any storyline, um, like any spot in the storyline to really have any impact. Like if I think back to last season and how important of a character Cat was, and then if you compare that with her mentor this season, who is, I guess, supposed to be Snapper Carr, he could practically just be like played by anyone. There's nothing like all that original about him. We don't learn that much about him. They, they barely have scenes together. So it's, it's tough. There are a lot of, uh, of characters and I feel like probably a reason that a lot of people don't, aren't taking very well to Monel is that out of all the characters that they've added, it does seem like he's getting the most screen time and he's getting the most story time. Uh, and I liked him a lot in this episode. I thought that they did a really good job with sort of showing his struggle to, 
become a hero and and he's not as like altruistic as uh, as Kara is naturally so it's it's he's sort of having to learn to like look out for other people before himself or before his friends uh and I think that that's an interesting storyline to delve into I just feel like there's so much surrounding it that it does feel like he sometimes he overtakes the show yeah, I and when you were listing out all of the storylines, I was like, <laughs> she's she's even uh, forgetting the Cadmus Luther. Oh my stuff. god! Like there's right. there's right. even there's even all of that stuff. So yeah, there's a lot they're trying to juggle this season, and it is tough because I do watch the show. I mean, primarily for Supergirl. I mean, I love all the other characters, but um, sometimes I, I do worry about her kind of getting lost in the shuffle, which is why I, I really liked Kara in this episode. I really loved her. And like mm-hmm. this, I thought was such a good episode for her. She had a nemesis. She cared about her nemesis. She saved her nemesis. We saw her as a reporter trying to get a story, <laughs> which it was kind of laughable. She was like, Cara Danvers Catco magazine. I was like, why is a magazine going into a crime right. scene? It's and the cop that was like, I tried I, to stop her. She's so strong. Yeah. I, love that, I, I love that cop's like resentful look back over his shoulder before he leaves the scene. <laughs> also, Alex counting down because she knows Cara's going to break through. She's like, three, yeah. two. And then Cara's like, Psh. Yeah. So, I mean, that stuff was great. And I, I liked her interactions with Monel. It's nice to see that she's using all the wisdom that she's accumulated from all of her adventures into helping someone else understand how to be a hero. And I particularly, like my favorite scene for her in this episode, and I thought Melissa did such a good job. And even Chris Wood, I thought um, they, they played off each other very nicely in that scene. They're like in a parking lot or they, they come out of the building or whatever. And they like have a full on tense fight. And I thought that was awesome. Cause I was like acting, um, and they um, they really got honest with each other in that scene. And I so appreciate that this show allows Kara and Melissa playing her to have different emotions. She can be happy. She can be sad. She can be angry. She can be ticked off. She can be um, anything. And in that scene, I was just like, yes, Kara should be upset with him. Kara should be upset by all of this. Uh, with the Guardian thing, she should be ticked because all of the guys in her life are lying to her. They're going behind her back. They don't value her wisdom. And I just was like, yes, Kara, be mad at them. Like, I was glad to see that they let her be angry about some of that stuff. Um, even though, you know, it's nice to see her kind of calmly handle it and be mature about everything but for part of it I was just like yeah you tell them <laughs> so I, I really liked what they uh, allowed Cara to do in this episode um, so it, you know the the romantic stuff is subjective but I, I personally do think that Cara is sort of evaluating her feelings for Monel and what she thinks about the whole situation but I think for Monel as a character I've I've started to really like him just because I think he is coming around he was very selfish and frat boyish in the beginning but I think he's starting to really kind of come into his own and sort of have some self-realization about what really drives him so I was glad to see some of that character development happening for him. And since we've mentioned Guardian a little bit, he was the other one sort of trying to be a hero in his own right in this episode. So, Carly, what did you think about the the Guardian situation with James getting outed as the other hero in National City? 
Yeah, he gets outed because he gets knocked unconscious. That's great. Yeah. <laughs> it was he, kind of a funny way to, like, have Kara find out. You just have to take his helmet off. Who knew? Right. <laughs> right. <laughs> um, well, she couldn't see through it, right? Because the oh, that suit was, was a the special. Lead. Yeah, that's right. Uh, but um, I actually think this is the first episode out of the whole season that I have enjoyed James as a character. I really liked his scenes with Kara. Um, the scene that they had at CatCo where they were talking and he was going to tell her that he was Guardian. He was actually get, gearing up to tell her. And then Livewire, or what they, who they thought was Livewire, you know, attacked the, the police department. Um, so I liked that scene. And I liked the scene after she finds out and the two of them kind of go back and forth. And my feeling with the whole, like, Kara being upset with James situation is I can see both sides of it. I feel like they're both partly right. <laughs> like I agree with Kara that, you know, James is only human. And so her, you know, I think her, her anger with him was based out of concern for her friend and like somebody that she cares about and, you know, and doesn't want to see get hurt. And then my other, the other side of it, like I can see James's perspective because for him, like, you know, he wants to do this. And he even says to her, I feel more like myself as guardian than I've ever felt as James Olsen. So for me, it's kind of like, I totally get what he's saying when he's like, Kara doesn't really have the right to tell him that he can't be a hero, like, a you know, a vigilante or whatever, if he wants to be. I mean, I feel like we've seen human, you know, human vigilantes that don't have any special powers on other shows, so I don't, I don't really feel like it's Kara's place to tell him that he can't do it. Um, he's a grown man. See, right, exactly. He's a grown man <laughs> also. He can do it, you know. And, and, he can't and tell if, me what to do. And if he's like, this is where I feel the most comfortable with myself, I'm like, sure, like embrace it. And I, I almost feel like, for me, it was really nice to see James, like, just have all those emotions and really get a chance to have some good deep conversation with Kara, even though they don't really come out of it seeing eye to eye. And like at the end, we kind of see maybe the split of team Supergirl, like the original team with Wynn and James kind of going off in one direction and Kara going off in the other, which I was like drama, <laughs> but you know me, I like my angst. So I was like, Ooh, they're going to split them up. This is good. I was like ready for the juicy, you know, the juicy team split. Um, so that was my feeling. And I like that the that the show, like Kara, they they're willing to show Kara have different emotions and perspectives on stuff. And she doesn't. I like that they show that she isn't always going to agree with her friends, and maybe isn't always a hundred percent right on stuff. Like I feel like she's partly right, but I also feel like James is partly right. So that's where I that's where I came out of from this episode. Yeah, and she took a stand. She took a hard stand about what she thought it, about the whole Guardian uh, situation. She wasn't really wishy-washy about it, which I right. uh, was really impressed with, that she had thoughts, and she said, nope, that's how I feel about it. <laughs> so mm -hmm. I don't care what you do, but that's how I feel about it. So, right. yeah, I was, I was impressed with, with her doing that. Um, Morgan, what are your thoughts on the Guardian parts of this episode with uh, him, him finally... Uh, having the truth outed and and all of his uh, adventures with Wen. I, I I liked it. I felt like this was sort of a needed episode for that storyline at least because I 
could not have cared less before this one. Uh, and this one took me a, a, a step further to caring. Um, <laughs> and James is very much like very John Locke from Lost in this one. He was like, don't tell me what I can't do. <laughs> uh, uh, but I did, I did like that Kara was at the end of the episode, you kind of think Kara is going to be like, oh, you know, you did a good job. Like, let's all work together. And she's like, no, no, I'm still not cool with this. This is still not okay. Um, which is nice. I think, I think they're, there are some sometimes watching this show where everybody is so delightful and there's not a lot of conflict, which I appreciate. But sometimes it's nice to have like a little bit of uh, of them sort of having differences of opinion and not exactly seeing eye to eye. I I think you guys I can't remember if it was you or Carly that that uh, called out that line where he said that he felt more like Guardian, uh, more like himself as Guardian than he ever did as James Olsen, which I took almost as, like, meta-commentary on the fact that they had, like, literally just given up having this character be James Olsen. Yes, 100%. 100%. <laughs> they were like, you know what? We tried him as Jimmy Olsen. Didn't work. Now he's Guardian. Just accept it. Just accept he's Guardian. And Car- <laughs> and Kara's, uh, Kara's like, no. <laughs> no, I read the comics. I'm not <laughs> accepting this. <laughs> uh, but I thought that was such a, like, it, that line took me right out of the episode for a couple minutes because I was like, oh, come on, for the love of. <laughs> yeah, and that's, uh, this is not the first time that they've done something like that in the writing. And I I was actually, for a lot of the episode, I did feel like Kara. Like, I, I was like, Car, you're saying everything I'm, I feel right now about this whole thing. And I, I've i been trying to figure out, because, you know, Morgan, you mentioned you're sort of in, in an, a, you took a step into caring. I'm still like, nope, I'm, I, think, I think I backed away a step. I think I went backwards. Um, because I, I just don't, I don't buy that he's altogether altruistic. I just, I don't buy it because he says something about how, like he tried to help others through his careers and other aspects of his life and um and that he wanted to help others but i'm like how how if you weren't feeling like you're helping other people in your job and in your life maybe helping other people isn't what you really want to do cuz i does that make any sense like i feel like if you really want to help other people that's going to make you feel like yourself. It's going to make you feel good. You know, anytime you help somebody, it's not necessary. You know, you're going to feel good about it just as much as the people you're helping. And I, I just don't buy that he is actually wanting to help other people because he always talks about, oh, I'm going to be a hero. Everything is, I'm going to be a hero. I want to be a hero. I'm going to do this thing so I can be a hero. It's not about, I don't think it's, I mean, as much as he says it is about helping others, I just don't personally buy it. I think if somebody is a hero, they're not going to always talk about how much of a hero <laughs> they are. You know what I mean? Like, and I think that was that was sort of a contrast with with the Monal character in this episode too. Like, they were both kind of bad at this. Uh, I think that that James maybe got a little bit more of a pass in the episode for it than he did. But I think they were like kind of in some ways kind of equally bad at being heroes. Yeah, totally. Yeah. I think there were a lot of uh, similarities and contrasts to, to both of them and how they were dealing with this. And I thought what, what Supergirl said to James and Wynn at the end of this episode, just like hit all of 
the things that I feel about this whole guardian James Olsen thing is she tells them, you two were heroes to me way before all of this. And that's what I feel about these two characters. That These are the humans. These are the people who are the everymen. And they, instead of being able to help other people just by being who they are, they have to make themselves into superheroes. And I just thought that was so poignant that Supergirl said, you know what, it didn't mean, you know, you didn't have to have that shield to be a hero to me. You didn't have to be able to hack everything in the world to be a hero to me. You were heroes to me because you were my friends. And I just was like, okay, number one, that is actually capturing how I feel about this situation. And number two, that's a very Supergirl thing for her to have said. And I, um, I just, I don't... I, I just wish that James, I think maybe part of this is that, and why I'm having such a hard time with it, is that we only see James being guardian. We don't see, we see him sitting at his desk at work, <laughs> but he's not, he's not really doing he's his job. He's never doing anything. <laughs> he's not doing his job. He's not interacting with other people. I think one of the things I love about the Supergirl character is that, yeah, we see her go fight the bad guys and we go see her save the day, but she's also... Um, you know, helping Cat Grant with her son or doing things with Alex or, you know, doing something, something for someone else that doesn't entail her being Supergirl. So I think for me, I would be more willing to take a step towards Guardian if we saw James, not Guardian, if we saw James do something for someone else just out of his own uh, will to help someone else. Like if he was doing something strictly just to help someone else as James Olsen, I think I've been missing that. So I, I'm still, I'm still having trouble with this whole thing. Um, but I at least feel good that Supergirl is speaking for me in the storyline. So in, in some ways I feel like I'm okay about that. And um, I think I have some problems with the, the guardian storyline just from like a, a story show perspective. So, okay. James becomes guardian. Everyone's okay with that. What happens then? Like, are we splitting our time between Supergirl, like punching super like powerful aliens in the face and like, what, then we're going to split over and James is going to be like tuxedo masking it, like, like throwing a rose and not doing anything helpful. Like, is he just going to be like <laughs> half the, the show is her, you know, fighting space aliens. Half the show is him like street level, like, beating up thugs like where where does the show take this storyline like realistically i think that's my biggest problem i don't i don't understand where a a superhero like guardian fits in to a show with supergirl like i think that just to me they haven't proved that concept yet like how does this work on this show yeah, and I think that's a fair point and I think that's something that supergirl is trying to figure out herself in, in terms of him being out there as guardian, it's going to put him in danger. And she has to figure out how she is going to navigate that and what she's going to, how she's going to handle them doing that. And if she's going to respect them doing that on their own versus them all doing that together. So I think that that's a, a reasonable question. And I think that's also something that Supergirl is asking. So I think maybe the show is ask, wanting us to ask that question. Um, so I, I guess we'll find out more about how they handle that and, and Carly will get her angst and, and how, <laughs> how the, t- the team maybe comes back together or maybe not. Um, so At the end of the episode, I really thought that he was going to become like a member of the DEO. 
Because if you think about it, like Alex is often in situations that are just as dangerous for her. She's not a superhero and she still kicks ass. So, I mean, but that's that's a part of the show, I think, that we all understand and is like baked into the show. Whereas the Guardian stuff is like just its own little thing, like on an island. So, I'm, yeah, I, I want to see what they do with that. Especially since like John Jones went to win and said, like, you guys make a good team, you're effective or whatever. So it almost seemed like that could be leading into like bringing James in. Yeah, that's that's when I thought he was going to be like, come on and work for us at the DEO, and it did not go that way. <laughs> <laughs> I, just, I just love that when I feel like Wynn is constantly in fear that Martian Manhunter is going to kill him when he screws <laughs> up. <laughs> he's like, it's like, if you do that again, you're dead. No, fired. What? <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, I mean, he 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 did some things maybe he shouldn't have. So I guess he 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 felt like somebody else would have taken it too far. But you know, Sean's not like that. He's he's a pretty he's a pretty good guy. So I do, I do think that that could have been foreshadowing that that maybe they would eventually bring James in to work with them. Because uh, I mean, they already have one superhero. Well, two technically, three. They have Supergirl, Monel, Martian Manhunter, and I guess McGann if she ever decides to become a superhero. The the DEO could just all, be all superheroes. Um, so that I mean, it, it may it may go that way. We we'll have to see. Um, and speaking of McGann and Jean, uh, they had a really nice storyline in this episode. So Carly, what did you think about uh, their interactions in this one? Ah, the award goes to David Harewood for making me cry. Ah, <laughs> that. The entire storyline was just so good. I mean, from the very first scene that we get with McGann, where she's has her like psychic attack, and then he comes in and gets her, and then and then that scene with John and Alex, where he's like flat out refuses to do the mental bond with McGann, and and that great line that he has of like, "I will not give her my daughter smiles." Mm. I was like. Oh. oh, my heart. <laughs> but it was like, I mean, I watched, I just rewatched the episode and I was like, David Harewood did some masterful, masterful work in this episode. Like, I can't say it enough. And this is why I love Martian Manager and why I was, I feel like I've been missing him a lot. I mean, again, we, this is a, this goes back to like, I feel like there's one too many characters and there, and some characters have gotten the short end of the stick. And I feel like Sean Jones has kind of gotten the short end of the stick a couple times. Um, but this was a really great side plot for the episode. And I think two of my favorite scenes in the whole episode were Jean asking Kara and Alex to stay with him mm. while he bonded with Miss Martian and the two of them just like putting their hands on him. Um, I was like, he's, he needs his Earth daughters. <laughs> <laughs> it was so sweet. And I was like, oh, I love their family. Um, which which to me, I'm like, I just want that all the time. Like, I want the three of them to just be like a little family unit. It's just so great. Um, and then the scene where he goes into, into the bond and tells McGann, like, I'm here for you. Come back with me, you know we're friends. I'm like, they can, if a white Martian and a green Martian can make it work, then there's, there's hope. There's hope for the rest of us. (laughs) (laughs) Rise above our differences. Um, 
So yeah, the the whole thing I think was really really good from start to finish for me. And and David Harewood and Sharon Leal are like 100% A plus good stuff. Yeah, they really brought it in in the few scenes that they were in. And I think what makes the the Jean part of that so impactful for me is that he refused to help her at the beginning he said you know Mm -hmm. let her drown in her own sins like he was Mm. ticked he said he didn't worry about war criminals and he sort of came around at the end and 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 did a total um 180 so i um or is it a 360 180 he would go he would go back to to being mad um so he did a total 180 from where he was just because he listened to reason and he 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 sought alex's uh wise counsel and she gave it to him um so morgan what are your thoughts on the uh martian manhunter miss martian parts of this episode i think those were actually my favorite parts of the episode they were just so emotional and he David Harewood did such a good job in all of those scenes. Like that that line that Carly said about not giving his daughter smiles, like that broke my heart. And like pretty much every part of that storyline was so well executed, so well done. I feel like why can't we have this smart manhunter in every episode? He's just so good. And uh, and I like learning more about uh, about McGann because like I said earlier, uh, I kind of forgot about her Um entirely because there are so many characters but she's a really intriguing new addition to the show and i'd like to see more of her and i think that this episode really justified us seeing more of her so and that episode when he goes uh, i mean that the moment when he goes into her like does the like mind meld thing and goes into her mind and like sort of kind of forgives her uh was such a oh it was such a heartwarming moment and and the fact that he asked both uh Kara and Alex to be there with him was just like cementing what how powerful their bond was yeah and i i really liked all of that because we got to go back and and see mars a little bit and and find out more about her backstory and how she she wanted to save a little boy from being killed that she refused an order and so uh, I really liked seeing that in, in terms of her character. We got more from her in this episode. And I I was particularly impacted by the forgiveness aspect of this, this one. Um, Alex tells him, forgiveness isn't something that you give to someone who, somebody who hurt you. Forgiveness is something you give to yourself. And I really, I kind of sat on that for a little while because I once heard um, the pastor at my church say that he, and when he was talking about forgiveness, he was kind of um, making the analogy that forgiveness is is when you think someone doesn't owe you anything anymore. And so I, I personally hold to that personal definition of forgiveness. So I was trying to understand Alex's um, uh, definition of forgiveness that um, that for him to forgive her actually helped him. And I think it did. It freed him a little bit from the anger and the, the kind of the betrayal that he felt towards McGann. And, and he could open himself up to being her friend after he did that. And I, I think it's nice to see, like Carly said, like I think it's nice to see two people who, you know, ha- came from different backgrounds who shouldn't have liked each other became friends and found common ground and it's it's really nice to see that happen between the two of them because now they can have fun adventures now maybe they can team up maybe they can now work together and do some martian stuff to help out um so i was really glad to see her um (laughs) come out of her coma 
and uh, be with us again. Um, and I, I was a little offended that they have they had kind of a canary cry um, that she did uh, breaking up her cell. But I'm going to let it go. Um, it's a little sensitive issue for, for me right now, but I'm going to let it go uh, because everything else was so good with them. And uh, I liked the way she was handled and, and the way their relationship was handled because, it, I mean, David Harewood, he, he did a phenomenal job of showing the, 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 dra- the drastic uh, differences between before he forgave her and then after he forgave her. So I thought that was a nice bit of acting for them. So I think we've hit on all of the big topics in this episode. So uh, what did everybody think about this episode overall? Carly, what are your thoughts? Solid episode. Once again, I'm glad we got Livewire back. She's great. Uh, I loved the drama aspect of the episode. I loved the James and Kara conflict and the fact that the original team super friends might be splitting up. I'm kind of looking forward to that because I feel like it, it it could bring some interesting plot to have the team like a little bit fractured. Um, Monel and Cara didn't kiss, which I was very excited about because <laughs> that end scene, I was like, mm, it was, I it was close. It was. I was, was watching through my fingers, like, please, please don't let the kiss happen. <laughs> and then the, but then the high five happened, and it was somehow worse. <laughs> like, oh, is, I'm having secondhand embarrassment for everyone in this. <laughs> uh, but now I'm like, okay, uh, needs more Lena. Uh, I saw somebody saying we need more Maggie backstory, and I second that. Uh, and then. My other request is Monel can go. Monel can go back to Daxum. That would be that would be good. <laughs> no, I honestly like. I don't. Overall, I don't think he's a terrible character. I think the problem is the show's just been focusing a lot on him lately, and I would like to focus on other characters for a little bit, just to just to make it even. That's you, my one sounds, quibble. Sounds like you have a little Monel fatigue. Somehow I do. I think that's part of it. I'm like, maybe I wouldn't like dislike him so much if it just if it didn't feel like week after week was like a little bit of the Monel show. Um, but that. But other than that, I thought this was actually for, based on like the second half or whatever post hiatus. I I liked this week even more than last week. Uh, Morgan, what did you think about this episode? Yeah, I thought that this was a really strong one. I really loved the uh, the storyline with uh, with Marsha Manhunter and McGann. I I thought that it was it was interesting to see Kara be at odds with some of her friends because um, usually they're all on the same page. It almost made me care about Guardian, but not quite. I'm still not there. I still have no idea what they plan to do with that storyline or why it is happening. Uh, <laughs> But you know he's more him. He's more himself as Guardian as James Olsen. So I think we have to be like R.I.P. Jimmy Olsen. <laughs> it's been real. Um, but I agree. I really agree with Carly. Like I would love to see more Lena first of all because she is fabulous. I'd like to see Brenda Strong again. I'd like to see uh, back uh, like more backstory on Maggie. I'd like to see more of Maggie and Alex. Uh, there are so many things I'd like to see. More Manel is not top of that list um, although I did think that he was a lot of fun in this episode and and I do find the the actor very charming and and they give him a lot of really funny lines too which I appreciate like he's a more upbeat kind of character um, but I just I could do with less of him 
Yeah, I um, I really like this episode. It kind of hit on everything that I like about the show. Um, I thought Rebecca Johnson did a phenomenal job at directing. I thought the camera work was excellent. Um, all, all the, especially the the shots on Mars. I thought just gorgeous, beautiful. Um, so well done, Rebecca Johnson. Fantastic debut. Um, and I I liked pretty much even though the Guardian stuff was kind of. Eh, I still, I, I did think the uh, the interaction that James had with Kara was really interesting, and I was really proud of Supergirl and Kara when she was Kara, standing up for herself and what she thought and what she believed. And I was really proud of her, uh, proud of her to you know to see her do that. I, I thought was really great. So um, and also Livewire, love it. I wish she would come back more. Sounds like she might come back another time because she she's gotten away and Supergirl's gonna have to catch her again so I look forward to seeing her come back well and I guess that's gonna do it for our discussion but let's find out what our listeners had to say about we can be heroes at Patty Mello says so Guardian is a better hero than Monel. who would have thought but Alex and Jean are better partners for Kara uh, at the Devil Jackie says, I hope this episode means we no longer have to dwell on the boys and their consistent whining on wanting to be a hero. <laughs> uh, at Kaya underscore Matsui says, a Livewire episode without Cat. I'm crying. So I chose to ignore Guardian and Monel so I can be happier <laughs> with this show. <laughs> uh, at Rantasma one says, I love the fact that Kara can operate in the gray. She is way more complex than Clark. Uh, at Madtown Davidson says, loved the McGann John moments. I wish the main villain and his powers had been explained a bit better. Yeah, that seemed a little unclear to me. Like he felt very one dimensional. Oh yeah, definitely. I don't even think we learned his name, did we? I don't just, think so. I think he was just like villain I think guy. He was just some <laughs> random guy, he was right? Just scientist. Yeah, he was just a guy who wanted some money. I think that was his big motivation. I think, well, he was saying, like, I'm, I want to create a bunch of super soldiers and then maybe, like, villains will pay me to send my guys in or whatever. I don't know. <laughs> weird, weird, like, inexplicable motivations, I guess. Or yeah. maybe they were just so simple that we kind of, our brains kind of glazed over. At <laughs> <laughs> uh, Stinko407 says, I am calling it now. James slash Guardian will be killed at the end of the season. Writers don't know what to do with him anyway. Hmm. I mean, that's I mean, that's a speculation that, you know, I don't know that we can totally dismiss because there was there, there was a mention of him. You know, you could be killed if 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 you go and do this. So I you know, I'm not going to dismiss this. I'm you know, I think that's a, a, a speculation that could happen. I don't personally think that they will kill James off. But I mean, there, it does seem very ominous that that uh, Supergirl is very concerned about that. At Imo Pengu says, we need more of McGann, for real. <laughs> David Harewood really showing his chops when he was talking about forgiveness and hate. At Kalukas says, James, Metropolis needs you back. Manel, Daxum needs you back. Bye-bye. <laughs> <laughs> uh, at Will Montgom- Montgomer 14 says, great Martian Manhunter episode, and another reminder that it's always a good time to send Monel to the future. <laughs> <laughs> 
Uh, so not, a, not much love lost for Monello, I guess, with our listeners this week. <laughs> oh, I feel like there has to be some like contingent of like Monell Monell super fans out there, and I want those people to tweet us like reasons why. Yes, right? tell us why you love Monell. I'll I'll, t- I'll totally respond. I'll, I'm I'll, sure those reasons are out there, and I just want to know more about them. If people like Monel, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna dismiss that. Like you have your reasons, that's fine. Um, at Seal Stan says, loved hero slash villain team up. I bet Sanvers will make bets on Caramel, which I guess is the shipper name for Cara Monel. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, Caramel ending badly. By the way, vegan ice cream can be tasty. Hashtag buy local. <laughs> <laughs> have y'all ever had vegan ice cream? No, I I've have had- not. I've had tofu cream cheese before. I guess that's kind of... <laughs> I, I don't I've, know if that's the same or not. It's kind of the same thing. <laughs> I've had right. I've had vegan cheese before on a pizza, and I did not care for it. It's probably <laughs> it's probably along similar lines then. Yeah, I I mean I I I buy and eat almost all organically, and I'm 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 very strict on that most of the time, especially when I'm at home. When I when I eat out, you know, I try to be good with my choices, but. I don't think I would touch vegan ice cream after after that <laughs> experience try it. with the vegan cheese. I was like, nope, I can understand I try why it. Alex doesn't like that. That's true. I don't know. I feel like I'd give it a try, and then you can say you've had it, and if you don't like it, then you don't like it. I mean, it's still ice cream, right? Right. Can you really like, screw up ice cream? I mean, is it? Is it though? Is it ice cream? <laughs> <laughs> is it though? <laughs> We're gonna get some angry tweets about vegan ice cream now. <laughs> Uh, and then lastly, at Blue Bendy Straw says, loved the Sorting Hat podcast, but why no McGann? I know, we left out Mar- Miss Martian. Okay, I so- feel like in, in a way that must be my fault for, for forgetting about her. No, no, that, <laughs> that, I, I placed the blame solely on myself um, because just, you know, out of time, we couldn't sort everybody. So let's take a quick minute to sort McGann. And also, since we didn't sort them previously eliza and jeremiah danvers so carly go where would you put mcgann i i I had to go back because i remember we talked about it a little bit uh off show um because i had to find what i what i picked for her i said i feel like for me she's a gryffindor because she she did the honorable thing in resisting the order from the white martians and helping the other green martians escape plus She's like kind of a little bit of a reckless uh, fighter with the whole fight club, underground fight club thing. So I feel like she's a Gryffindor for me. All right, Morgan, where would you put McGann? It's funny because I remember us having that whole conversation about where we would put her. And I think I originally said I would put her in Slytherin um, because she was sort of hiding her identity. But after this episode, I have changed my opinion. And I think I would put her in Gryffindor as well because... I think it was very brave for her to give her blood, even though she knew it was probably going to uh, to result in her being outed as a white Martian. Although, on the flip side, she didn't tell them that she was a white Martian. Who knows what kind of health, like, um, side effects that could have had on him, which was, like, my immediate thought was, like, ah, can you donate blood if you're a white Martian? <laughs> <laughs> so that was a little slytherin but... <laughs> I think her heart was in the right place, and she seems pretty brave, so I would go Gryffindor. 
Yeah, I, I kind of fought this on uh, the Hufflepuff Gryffindor side, but I don't think she's necessarily a, Huff, a Hufflepuff because they are known for being loyal, and she was not loyal to those white Martians. So, <laughs> and that's a good thing, I think. Um, but she, uh, I think I would put her in Gryffindor as well. I, I think Gryffindor is all around, around for McGann. And uh, let's do Eliza Danvers really quickly. Uh, Carly, where would you put Eliza? Uh, Eliza's a Ravenclaw for me because she's smart and kind of nerdy. Morgan, where would you put Eliza? Definitely Ravenclaw. Yeah. Super sciencey. I'm a little bit, maybe a little bit huffle because she's she's loyal to her family. But I think for me the the fact that she's kind of a brain puts her in mostly in Ravenclaw for me. I, this is weird. Uh, Ravenclaw too. Uh, so I think we're <laughs> two for two in all agreement. It's very strange. Uh, and where would we put Jeremiah? Uh, Carly, where would you sort him? Uh, I would put Jeremiah in Hufflepuff because I feel like he has loyalty to friends and family. Like he was loyal to Martian Manhunter. He's loyal to Eliza and Kara and Alex. Um, you know, even in the midst of like being trapped in Cadmus, he still helped Supergirl escape. So I feel like he's a Huffle for me. Morgan, where would you put Jeremiah Danvers? See, I think Slytherin because I think that we don't know what he's doing in Cadmus. So we don't know if he's, you know, if he's helping them out in some way, if he's kind of got turned by them, if he's still like resisting them. I, I mean, I feel like we don't really know enough about Jeremiah for me to really accurately sort him. But I kind of in like, I guess my head canon is that he's like gone along, but he's like secretly like sabotaging them. Um, which is a very Slytherin thing. I mean, that's based off nothing. So <laughs> this is not this is not one of my most scientific house sortings. I'm sorry. <laughs> we 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 can revisit Jeremiah Danvers when we have more information. Um, but I think that's an interesting point because he does have a certain disregard for the rules. He's very resourceful and determined and and clever. So I, I think that that could be that he, he. I think I would put him in Hufflepuff for a lot of the reasons that Carly um, uh, mentioned that he's loyal, that he is friendly. He was friendly to uh, Martian Manhunter, and and he's been loyal to everyone in his life that we know of so far. Right. Well, <laughs> um, the family at least. Right? Yeah. Yeah. So um, so I think I would put him in Hufflepuff. So there we are. I, I think we've sorted everyone. Ooh. If we've left anyone out. Let us know, and, and we'll <laughs> we'll sort them when we can get to them. Uh, but I think I think that's going to do it for the sorting hat portion of this episode. <laughs> I like um, that it just keeps going. <laughs> I, I know the sorting hat is really never over. <laughs> we did it for fun. We did it for fun. Like, oh, let's have let's have a you know a, a hiatus episode, and now everybody's like this character and this one. <laughs> No, I love it, though. It's so funny. It's like it's going to be the podcast episode that never ends. I feel like every time they introduce a new character, we're going to have to, like, start out by sorting them. (laughs) In the character spotlights, we're just going to sort them. Um, We have an email from Kaya who writes, Up until now, I didn't have a problem with Monel, like, at all. But this episode, gosh, I don't know how, but they managed to make me dislike both him and James. I was even annoyed by my boy Wynn, something I thought would never happen. I honestly wasn't against Monel before, especially at the beginning when he had those funny mentor-subject kind of interactions with Kara. But the more they push him into the audience, sidelining the lead character to prop his arc up, the more he becomes intolerable, in my opinion. 
Uh, Morgan, so since uh, Kaya mentioned when, do you think that that's a, a, a fair assessment that even when is starting to suffer a little bit? See, to me, I, I've really liked the win parts of the Guardian storyline. Like, if there's one thing in the Guardian storyline that I've liked, it's been the win James interaction. So I don't. I don't just dis- I don't really agree with that because for me at least I've been enjoying Win this season um even though I'm not particularly enjoying Guardian but I I mean that's one of those your mileage may varies. Mhm. Yeah, I I can understand being annoyed with Win in We Can Be Heroes because he did go behind Supergirl's back. He did yeah. lie to her and and it it was dangerous. I mean, he he did he kept information from the DEO. He lied to Hank. So um, that's the kind of stuff that's like, you need to stop doing that, Wynn. So I can <laughs> I can understand I can understand the problems with Wynn in this episode. Yeah, it was I didn't really like his tone in that scene. Like he call he he sneaks around the corner to call James and he's like, why don't we go take Livewire and show Supergirl what we can do? And I'm like, why is it like, you know, the boys club, like, we gotta go show, you know, uh, girl, we gotta go show this lame girl that we can, you know, handle ourselves as men. I was like, no, come on, Win, we're better than this. <laughs> yeah. So that was the only thing I kind of found a little bit, like, not great about his character in the episode. But I feel like, overall, like, I would agree with Morgan, I feel like the Guardian storyline we've gotten a lot more of win than I expected, which has been great, especially last week when we got a little bit of like the, his PTSD stuff. So I feel like over, like on, on the whole, he's, he's been given more to do, which is, is making me happy. But that, that scene, I did not like him very much. Yeah. Hopefully he's learned his lesson that, <laughs> that he, he got caught by, by uh, Jean and he was threatened a little bit, even though Jean didn't threaten him. He still felt no. threatened. <laughs> he's just so funny. He's like, if you do it again, you are. And he's like dead. <laughs> like, and Hank just goes fired. <laughs> it's hysterical. Well, and we got an email from an eagle-eyed listener named Patricia who writes, quote, I noticed in the trailer for this episode, Melissa slash Kara had a bandage on her forehead in the scene where she breaks the toy monitor, which is really expensive. But in the actual episode, the bandage is gone. My guess is Melissa injured her forehead in a way that required her to wear a bandage and they ended up CGing, uh, computer generating, her forehead for this episode. I also remembered seeing a photo a fan took with Melissa with the same bandage, unquote. So, uh, Patricia, oh, yeah. uh, finding some uh, little little uh, discrepancies between the trailer and the episode, good catch. Um, I I sort of remember seeing the, the bandage in the trailer, but I didn't really think anything of it. But uh, the fact that it's not there in the episode, that's some pretty good CG. I didn't even uh, notice it. Yeah, if you go back and watch it, you can't unless you know that it's like because I didn't notice the first time and then I saw this I saw this email and I was like oh I wonder if you can tell and if you look like it's almost like they did do a little retouching on her face but it's unless you know what to look for you cannot tell at all that's some good CGI it is good I wonder how she got hurt maybe she's doing a stunt or something it's a little dangerous to be Supergirl <laughs> I know <laughs> uh we have an email from a listener named Sumaya who uh, wrote, quote, my heart broke when Kara, Wynn, and James went their separate ways at the end of the episode. They probably will make up eventually, but it was sad to watch. 
although it did get me wondering if Kara's reasons against James and Wynn teaming up to be heroes were more selfish in nature. Don't get me wrong. I believe that she doesn't want her friends hurt. At the same time, it seems like Kara only wants them to be her backup and not letting them grow into anything more. Maybe Alex will help Kara accept the Guardian situation since she, Alex, was once against Kara becoming Supergirl. Hmm. Hmm. I feel like in, it, Alex, if anything, has been like the voice of reason this season. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, That's so true. Like, kind of like, okay, let's let's take a step back and look at this. You know, we, <laughs> she kind of gave she gave John Jones some advice, and maybe she'll give Kara some sisterly advice. Uh, a listener named Colin left us a comment on SupergirlRadio.com, letting us know that the Yellow Sun Grenade was a comic book creation seen in uh, Jeff John's Superman story, The Third Kryptonian. And uh, I was not familiar with uh, this um, when Colin left the comment. I have not read The Third Kryptonian. Shame on me. Um, but when I looked it up, I think it's actually a, r- a story written by Kurt Busiek. Um, and so, but it, when I looked it up uh, on Wikipedia, Superman homepage, they all mentioned the sun grenades restoring Kryptonian powers in the story. So I had no idea that that was a thing in the comic book canon. Um, that we saw in Supergirl Lives. So they did pull that from the source material that sun grenades are apparently a thing. So that's pretty cool. So thanks for letting us know about that, Colin. And we have a Facebook question from a listener named Ted who asks, quote, why is Wynn the only member of the DEO staff who doesn't wear DEO uniforms? Unquote. <laughs> So does anyone have a guess at that? Uh, Carly, do you have any thoughts on why he's always in his, uh, you know, civilian attire? Well, didn't he, didn't he uh, don a uniform last week when they ended up going through the portal? I think, uh, I think he did. I think he was wearing black, which yeah. is like the so DEO. With like a look. field agent kind of thing. I almost feel like they probably don't really care because he's not really in the field that much if at all so they're probably like it's fine he can wear what he wants <laughs> <laughs> like especially if he's just sitting behind a computer most of the time i feel like they don't really care <laughs> morgan do you have any thoughts on uh when not wearing a deo uniform i hadn't even noticed it until until they pointed it out and now i feel like i'll never stop noticing it <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, he very clearly in We Can Be Heroes is wearing his just normal wind clothing in the DEO when he's talking to them. So I guess maybe maybe you have to have a certain status at the DEO to wear their uniforms. Um, because it is strange because even when we saw like Agent Vasquez in season one, you know, she could have been very, you know, high up on the chain with Alex. So maybe that's why she was wearing that. But most of the time, all of them are wearing all black. So it is kind of weird that he doesn't have to do that. But maybe it is one of those things that like, well, he's just kind of a guy who is doing computer stuff for us. So we don't care. Um, so I am not sure. But I think that would be my guess. So we'll have to keep an eye out for that in case they ever do make mention of uh, making him wear a DEO uniform. And before we wrap up, let's get to a voicemail from a listener named Greg. Hello, Supergirl Radio. This is Greg H. again. I know it's been a long time since I've called in or emailed, but I have some lovely feedback about last night's episode. I totally loved it. This is my That was my favorite episode of season two so far. 
I love the how everything just unfolded, how Kara found out about Wynn and James, um, and how Mon-El finally revealed the truth to Kara, both of his feelings and his feelings for her being why he wants to be a superhero. Yeah, it's still selfish, but I still don't think he's a bad guy. I still think uh, Mon-El is a good guy. Yes, Carly, I said it. Monel is a good guy, a great guy, and I, I also like how both him and Kara's, I guess you can say, type of romantic feelings are unfolding on the show. We'll see where it goes from here, but I, bravo, Supergirl, for an excellent episode, and um, I look forward to hearing the podcast. All right, well, thanks for calling in, Greg. Always in, enjoy hearing your perspectives, um, and you can call out Carly anytime about her <laughs> Monel business. That is fine by me. <laughs> I feel like that's 90% of what people tweet at me about when I'm watching this. <laughs> when I'm like watching this show and live tweeting and I get people all up in my mentions like, what do you think about this Monel part? When this Monel part, I'm like, honestly, I try not to think about it much at all. But thank you for telling me. <laughs> you should you should just start replying back, who? <laughs> right. Uh, I don't know him. I, do like a, I don't even know him. <laughs> I do, do like a Mariah. I don't know him. <laughs> all right. Well, that's awesome. Well, if, uh, if you want to contact Supergirl Radio, like all of these great people who tweeted us and emailed us and like Greg who called in, um, you can email us at supergirlradio at gmail.com. You can post a comment on our website at supergirlradio.com. If you would like to leave us a voicemail, you can call us at 678-718-7252. You can like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter and Instagram, all at Supergirl Radio. You can listen to us on Google Play and iHeartRadio. And we have become a literal Supergirl Radio on Spotify, so check out our playlist there. I believe it's been updated uh, for the, the latest to the the most recent uh, last two episodes, so we should have uh, the music up there. Is if I, I added two songs. I don't know if there's, if there's any more. Let me know. Um, and we are also listed on DC's fan page, which you can find at dccomics.com forward slash DC dash fans. We are available on iTunes and Stitcher. So if you have time, we encourage you to give us a rating and write a review. And we're part of the DC TV podcast network. So if you also like Gotham, Arrow, The Flash, Legends of Tomorrow, iZombie, the DC Films, DC, classic DC TV shows. Subscribe to our DC TV podcast mega feed and follow at DC TV podcast on Twitter and like DC TV podcast on Facebook. <sighs> I just feel like I said DC TV podcast so many times. You're, I think you're, I think you're slipping a little bit. Maybe, maybe I think could, I am too. Maybe we get uh, reworded. Pirate towards the end. <laughs> maybe, maybe it was we, like a, that's like my Everest. <laughs> Uh, well done. Well, um, you can follow me on Twitter at DerbyKid. That's D-E-R-B-Y-K-I-D. I'm also on Instagram where I try to take and post pictures that are interesting to look at at the TheDerbyKid. That's T-H-E-D-E-R-B-Y-K-I-D. And you can also uh, watch some videos I've shot and edited on my YouTube channel at youtube.com forward slash DuckMilkProd. That's D-U-C-K-M-I-L-K-P-R-O-D. You can follow me on Twitter at my name, Carly Lane. Uh, I decided to sign back on Tumblr 
again and I've fallen down the black hole of no, Tumblr. It <laughs> it's not that bad, I promise. I did a little cleaning out, so I'm actually okay. Mostly just uh, posting gifts and stuff. So if you want to follow me on Tumblr, you can follow me. I'm at favoritings.tumblr.com. Um, I went a little guest heavy on other podcasts this week. Don't get jealous, Rebecca. I'm a, I'm a, <laughs> I'm a little jealous, but I'm also super Trail. proud. I'm super proud. I think it's awesome you're doing that. I did. I was made it a resolution sort of casually to be on more podcasts this year. So I... Uh, was a guest on my friend Preeti's podcast uh, on the first episode of her new podcast called Riverdale Hot Archie Edition. We're talking. <laughs> <laughs> we talked about the pilot episode of the CW's Riverdale, which is really good. And if you're not watching it, you should be because it needs the love ratings wise. Um, so you should check that out, especially if you're uh, an Archie Comics fan, if you're a Riverdale fan, because she is a huge Archie comics fan and really dives into that whole backstory of all the characters. And it was a lot of fun. And then I was also a guest on the fan theories podcast, talked about Westworld and all the crazy fan theories that kind of sprouted up over the course of the first season. And if, and any kind of fan theories that we had going into season two. So Aside from that, uh, I'm writing for Nerdist and Sci-Fi Wire, and mostly you can just find me on Twitter, screaming into the void. <laughs> um, you can find me on Twitter. Um, I'm at Mojotastic. That's M-O-J-O-T-A-S-T-I-C. Um, I'm also one of the co-hosts of uh, the Legends of Tomorrow podcast, so you should definitely check that out. And um, some of my writing can be found on Buddy TV. All right. Well, if you want to hang out for a quick spoiler section, we'll be doing that after our theme music. But until then, I'm still Rebecca Johnson. I'm still Carly Lane. And I'm still Morgan Glennon. And if you think that having a deadly pen pal you see once a year is fun, you should know that having a nemesis is stressful. hunting me. The only way to catch that thing is to trap it in here. With us. It could be any of us. What's that? Monsters are real. Supergirl. All new next Monday at 8, 7 central on The CW. And we're back. And what you just heard was the audio for what's coming up on Supergirl. The next episode is called The Martian Chronicles. The official description reads, quote... Armac, guest star Terrell Tilford, a white Martian, descends on National City, intent on taking McGann, guest star Sharon Leal, back to Mars to face her punishment as a traitor. Hank and Supergirl determine the best way to keep McGann safe is to bring her to the DEO. 
However, when it is revealed that Armek has shapeshifted into McGann and is now loose in the building, the team realize he could be disguised as any one of them, unquote. Ooh, this sounds pretty good. Uh, Carly, what is most exciting to you about this description? Everything. Uh, <laughs> more specifically, I believe this is what you would call a bottle episode. Bottle uh, episode. Bottle episode, trapped in the D.O. Wah, wah. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> well, and I, and I, you know, for me personally, I love bottle episodes, even though, you know, they're very well known as like a way to save money, especially if the, if the show has been kind of blowing their budget lately. Um, so if this whole thing is going to take place inside the DEO set, I'm so here for it. Like, yes, just get, especially when you get the, the creepy plot of somebody could be a shapeshifter and isn't the real person. I'm like, I love those plots. Like I loved it on Star Trek. I love it on Supergirl. It's just, I'm so excited for this. It, it looks really creepy and I can't wait. Morgan, uh, what do you think that you're going to be most excited about with this episode? I'm also very excited. It's a bottle episode. <laughs> as soon as I read the description, like even in the, a little bit of the preview that we saw after the episode, I was like, Hmm, it seems like they're just going to be in one place. Um, I I do love the bottle episodes, um, especially because I feel like a lot of times they let you sort of dive into the characters because there's less, you know, switching back and forth between locations. Everyone's stuck in the same place. Mm -hmm. um, so the characters really have to hash out their issues and, like, get to the bottom of, like, what's bothering them. So I'm really excited for... Uh, to see if that's where they go with it. I'm also excited that it seems like it's going to be a, a, Mar a heavy Martian Manhunter episode, which, yes. Yes, definitely. And uh, and McGann, too, as well. And we get some more white Martian, uh, which, who are the, the, the scariest things, in my personal opinion, those, the creepiest looking things that have ever appeared on Supergirl. They're just so scary and creepy and destructive so i am very curious as to how they handle this white martian business and i like the idea like you guys have mentioned that any one of them could end up being the white martian shape-shifting into someone that supergirl or mcgann or jean knows so i think that that could play into a really mysterious part of the episode keeps you know it, it might keep us guessing as to who is who and i think that that's probably something that's very fun for the actors that they kind of get to play a different version of the character that they normally get to play um so i think that that's going to be really fun to watch to see how they do that all right. Well, I think that's going to do it for our thoughts about next week's episode. So thanks for listening, and we'll be back with a new episode discussion next time on Supergirl Radio.